Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. It's housekeeping time. How are you? I hope your week has been really great. I um, I took advantage of the snow and I took Abby up to the snow this past weekend. And uh, we went to the snow and then we finished the day at the beach. It was like a very uniquely San Diego experience. It was really cool. We went all the way up to 6,000 feet elevation and then all the way back down to sea level. So it was really cool. It was a fun day and uh, Abby loved it. We had a really good time. I recapped a little bit of it on Instagram and on the Patreon if you guys are interested in our San Diego adventures. Um, this episode is really fun and I'm gonna give you a couple trigger warnings before we get into it and then I have a news article I wanted to read you guys that I literally saw today and I was like I'm gonna read this in the housekeeping. So trigger warning for this episode um, we talk about IVF and infertility and toxic diet culture and so it's just some heavy topics not anything that's necessarily graphic but we do talk about it so if it's triggering go ahead and skip parts of this episode or this episode and come back to it later but it's it's a really great episode about what it looks like to be in an MLM during COVID and to have the FTC come knocking at your door um we also talk about big pharma and faith manipulation and sort of conspiracy theories and there's just a lot so just a couple trigger warnings i also want to say thank you to our newest patreon members thank you to hillary arajo and robin stemmen i really appreciate it if you guys are interested in joining the patreon we have five and ten dollar tiers and you get everything ad free and early we also do lives and chit chats and all kinds of stuff um yeah it's just a fun little thing so yeah we would love to see you even if you only come and stay with us for like a month it's great to have you and uh it's just a fun little extra and it helps pay for and it helps pay for all of the subscriptions that i need to have to run this show effectively so i really appreciate anybody that has so I really appreciate all of the help. If you can't help monetarily, you can always like, share, subscribe, rate us five stars, do the whole thing. You know what I mean? It helps in this world and I really, really appreciate it. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to read this article. I have um, a Google alert for like MLM <laughs> and this and this article came out today and I was like, what? I, it's just, 
I just wanted to read it to you guys because I think it's just wild. It is from Yahoo News and it is called the 17 biggest MLM companies in the world. Now, I've been using a stat because I haven't seen a more recent stat that the MLM industry is $178 billion industry. And I believe that was like a 2019 stat or 18, something like that. So it's a few years old, but that is the stat that I have been using when talking about really how large the MLM industry is. And that's like more than NFL, Hollywood, and like music industry combined, okay? But this article today uh, is telling me that I'm wrong. And according to a report issued by Grandview Research, the size of the MLM industry stood at 189.71 billion at the end of 2021, and that the industry is set to compound annually at an average rate of 6.1% during 2022 to 2028 to reach a size of 286.7 billion in the next like six years. So that's terrifying. Uh, we don't want that to happen. <laughs> so I, some of you are probably thinking like, I'm here in the US. I didn't realize that MLM was that big, but it's global. And the Asia Pacific region holds the biggest market share at 45% of the industry. Wow. MLM companies are gaining market share in leading economies like China, India, and Indonesia. Customers prefer customized suggestions on health and beauty from a salesperson as skincare products with natural ingredients are gaining rapid market traction in Asia. <sighs> no. So I will link this in the show notes if you guys are interested to read more about it and all of these stats, but I'm going to read you the top 17 MLM companies in the world and how much their revenue was in 2021, okay? So just a little over a year ago. Coming in at number 17 is The Body Shop. And there might be some of you going, oh my God, The Body Shop's an MLM. Yes, they have an MLM arm. It is in the UK, and I believe the US arm was just closed. But their revenue for 2021 was $1.1 billion, and that puts them at number 17. So here's another great thing. Like there's a lot of people that go like, I own my own business. I'm a small business. I don't work for a corporation. Corporations are horrible. Um, these are corporations. No small business is doing $1.1 billion in revenue. So this is also a really great bit of proof that it's not a small business. It's a corporation and you're just a salesperson. Um Unfortunately. So number 16, I'd never even heard of this one. It is Oraflame Holding AG, and it had 1.1 billion in revenue. Uh, it is a Swedish global corporation that focuses on offering beauty and personal care products through a sales force consisting of self-employed representatives. Coming in at number 15, we have Tupperware at 1.6 billion. Number 14, we have Forever Living Products with a revenue of $2 billion in 2021. It is a Tempe, Arizona-based, privately owned MLM company that was founded in 1978 by Rex Moghan. I don't know. The company has a presence in over 160 countries and a distributor network of over 9.3 million members. And it did $2 billion in revenue. Number 13 is Young Living with a 2021 revenue of $2.2 billion. Number 12 is PM International with a 2021 revenue of $2.38 billion. I've never heard of this company. 
Uh, it is a Luxembourg-based family-owned distributor of advanced health, fitness, and beauty products with a presence in 71 countries through the Fitline brand, which is manufactured in Germany. Coming in at number 11 with a 2021 revenue of $2.6 billion, we have Mary Kay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small business Mary Kay. Okay, so now we have the top 10. The top 10 biggest MLM companies in the world. Coming in at number 10, we have New Skin with a 2021 revenue of $2.69 billion. They're the ones that sell that toothpaste, you know? Number nine. This is so strange because it's Melaleuca. Number nine is Melaleuca. And I can't even tell you how many Huns that sell Melaleuca have told me that Melaleuca is not an MLM. Yet here it is, number nine on the biggest MLM companies in the world with a 2021 revenue of $2.7 billion. So yeah, it's an MLM. Number eight, we have Coway, which I'd never heard of, with a 2021 revenue of $3.2 billion. Coway is a South Korean company that sells water purifiers and other home appliances and accessories through MLM business model. At number seven, we have Avon with a 2021 revenue of $3.4 billion. Wow. Number six, which is an MLM we haven't talked about yet, but we will be talking about soon, EXP World Holdings, number six, with a 2021 revenue of $3.8 billion. And EXP is a real estate brokerage company that has operations in 24 countries across the world and over 86,000 real estate agents, okay? And just recently, in December of 2022, it launched its operation in Dubai. All right, so now we've reached the top five. You guys ready? Coming in at number five is another MLM I've never heard of called Infinite. I don't even, it's, I don't know how to say this. Infinitus, Infinitus, dumb name check. Infinitus with a 2021 revenue of 3.95 billion. Infinitus is a Chinese herbal medicine product maker established in 1992, and the company manufactures skincare, personal care, home care, and health care products using Chinese herbal formulas. Number four, we have Vorwork, uh, another company I'd never heard of, with a 2021 revenue of $4.6 billion. Vorwork is a Wuppertal, Germany-based company that manufactures food processors, vacuum cleaners, and other appliances under the Thermomix brand. Okay, I've heard of Thermomix. Wow, okay. Number three, tried and true, favorite of the show, Herbalife, with a 2021 revenue of $5.8 billion. $5.8 billion is not a small business. I, I hate this because number two is Natura & Co. with a 2021 revenue of $7.2 billion. Now, you might not have heard the name Natura & Co., but I guarantee you know their MLM brand. It's Monet. It's Monet, you guys. $7.2 billion. It's Monet. Now you know why those Huns are, like, really defending it. And number one, has anyone guessed it? Because I'm pretty sure everybody knows. It's Amway. It's Amway. And the 2021 revenue, anybody want to take a guess real quick? Three, two, one, 8.9 billion. 8.9 billion. Amway. Mm. Wow. (laughs) That's, it's the granddaddy. It's the big baddie Amway. Wow. 
8.9 billion. So yeah, I'm going to link this in the show notes so that you guys can check it out if you want. But did did you guess at least some of the top three? I didn't know Monet was going to be up there. That was a surprise. But I did, I did think Herbalife and Amway would be up there. But Monet was a big surprise for me. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, this has gone on long enough. Please enjoy the show and I will see you guys next Sunday. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Today, we're going to talk about something. It encompasses so many topics that we talk about. I got this email. It was heartbreaking. And so I would like to welcome to the show, Brandy. Hi, thanks, Roberta. I'm so excited to be on here today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Your emails and even us talking before I hit record, just some of the stories. It's really interesting. It's an, We're going to talk about Arbon again. This one keeps coming up because the... The episodes that I'm creating about Arbon are so true to the people listening. I've gotten so many emails since we started talking about this company of people messaging me saying 100% that happened to me, but I have even more to add that you didn't get into. And this is 100% one of those stories. And so again, I'm going to give a quick content warning. There was one in the beginning in the housekeeping as well. But again, we're going to be talking about some really, really heavy topics. Um, We're going to be talking about IVF and um, infertility. So if you have struggled with these things and this topic is triggering, then please use caution, skip around, or maybe come back to this episode later. We're going to get into it. So Brandy, um, please walk us through the beginning where you were and how Arbon came in and um, sort of invaded your IVF journey. My husband and I actually had tried to have kids for about three years. Um, we got married and immediately tried to start having kids. And about after a year, I went to my OBGYN and they put me on Clomid for several months. And if you don't know what that is, it just really helps with your egg production. And so you're ovulating at regular times. And I did that for about three months. That didn't work. So I kept trying different things. I changed my diet and everything. Come to find out I switched doctors because I wasn't happy with this one. So I switched and they actually found out that I had tissue growing in places that it shouldn't have been. And so they sent me on to a fertility specialist who then told us that we actually had to do IVF. Um, So that's a three-year journey summed up really quickly. And so my husband and I, the expenses of IVF, if you don't know, are very expensive. Um, It's upwards to 17 grand out of pocket. Insurance doesn't pay for any of it, especially where we were from. I, you know, I was grateful enough to have parents that helped us out a little bit. Um, And about nine months later, we had our son. And I'm very grateful because a lot of times it doesn't work the first time for people. So we were extremely grateful, especially only having a 12% chance of ever having a kid. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I remember thinking, wow, like we just got really lucky because I know a lot of the people that have to try two or three or four times and it still, you know, doesn't happen. We were in a lot of debt at the time. And I remember seeing one of my girlfriends on her Instagram. She posted these pictures with all of these women and she had lost tons of weight. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I just reached out just telling her like, you look great. Like, what are you doing? Whatever. And you know, some people, I just want to know, are you drinking more water? Are you exercising? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh my gosh, like, I would love to talk to you on the phone about what I'm doing. Oh no. 
you know, she calls me and um, she tells me what she's doing. She's doing the Arbon, you know, 30 days to healthy living is what they call it. Um, so they coach you through a program. None of them are doctors, but they give you recipes. They tell you, you know, my experience, they were like, here's what you eat. Here is what you take out and all the things. And I remember thinking to myself, I was kind of desperate at that point. I had lots of postpartum depression too. So I just wanted to look and feel better. And so I did it. I did the 30 days of healthy living. Um, I had really good results and I, they really tell you to take before and after pictures in the mirror with the same clothes on, preferably um, if you're comfortable and send it to them. So I did, I had great results that I just remember she was like, oh my gosh, I would love for you to meet my friend. And I was like, oh good. Like, you know, thinking like just a friend. And so I got on a, you know, a Zoom like this with her friend who I was like, it's a lot older than her, but I was like, okay, like maybe they work together and find out they're actually like in two different states, two different states. That's why we're doing this call. And they introduced their business to me. They'd love for me to be a part of their team. They really wanted to help me pay off some of that IVF debt that I owed my parents. And I was like, at the time it sounded good because the salary I was making definitely wasn't going to get me there. I ended up joining the business, but to join the business with my experience, you also had to purchase another package, which was their skincare. So, you know, to be the product, you have to use the product. So I bought a whole thing of skincare. So I spent probably $250 after I'd already spent 300 on the 30 days to healthy living just to join in on the business. And that's kind of how I got started and roped into that. It's a very normal story. Very simple. Like, Hey, I, I what are you doing? That looks good. I'm going to try it. I want to lose weight. I was struggling with this. Very, very normal. Mm-hmm. I feel like anybody could have that story that you just reach out, you get on the zoom, you, you learn some information and you go, sounds good to me. So what happened after that? So then I actually, I had joined the business and they were like, Hey, like we really need to, to get you in front of people and host a party with your family and friends and let them know what you're doing and how you've lost all this weight and look incredible. And, um, you know, I remember, so my direct upline, eventually she ends up, you know, later in the story, she ends up falling off. So her upline, who is a national vice president, Um, really helped me prep for this first in-person party. So I did in-person and I also did with COVID, I ended up going and doing online parties. But my first in-person party, they gave me a script of things that I had to read and had to say. And it was kind of approached to me as like, oh my gosh, I love the product so much that I actually have to read from this or else I could just talk about the products for days. And I remember my mom was like, uh, Brandy, what are you doing? Like, you don't need to read from that. I was like, I, that's what I was told to do. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm a rule follower. That's so interesting Yes, that anybody being like, are you reading off a script? That the answer is, of course, because I need to stay focused on what I need to tell you, because I love these products so much that I could just talk about them for hours. Yes. It's like it's really a really wild, uh, no pun intended, but script flip on the MLM for that. 
Yes. Which I felt like since there wasn't like another person there to help me, they wanted to make sure that I said and did the right things without them. So I did, I ended up getting a lot of preferred clients that day. And I actually ended up, what was it? At the end of that month, I hit the first level of the company. So after my first party, I hit the first level, which again, you're like, oh my goodness, it gives you all this adrenaline. Like I'm so amazing. I've hit the first level when in actuality, it doesn't really take that much to hit the first level of no. And that is a great point. Let's talk about that really quick, right? The first level in the MLM is the easiest to hit. It's going to be like, you need I don't know, one to three customers, right? Like very easy. You don't really need to do too much of anything. And I don't want to say anybody who's actually working hard in quotes would hit it because that's not true. But for anybody who really has that, that laser focus of I'm going to recruit, I'm going to build a team, I'm going to get people that first level is very easy to hit if you're on that path. And it's a huge boost of dopamine. It's a huge, oh my gosh, I did it. I'm the first rank. Let's hit the next rank because everyone praises you. Did you get all the love bombing and all of that as well? Oh, yes. Yes. You got the love bombing and my love language is gifts and they sent me gifts. And I was like, oh my goodness, like they're reading my mind. Like they were sending me gifts and congrats and all the things. So yeah, lots of love bombing. Yeah. And it just makes you want to hit that next level even more because there's even better perks at that next level. And, you know, some MLMs might give you like, you know, LuLaRoe had a watch, you know, some MLMs might have necklaces or a shirt or a bag or a trip or something that everybody that's gotten it and has it flaunts it and goes, you have to, you need to, oh my gosh, just wait. It's just, it's really a vicious cycle. It's really like playing a video game and just trying to get to the next level at like any cost. Oh yeah. I remember I got my hat and I got a shirt and I was so excited because I could wear these things out and really market the products. I was obsessed after hitting the first level. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. 
head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claim standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. after I hit the first level, I ended up, we ended up hitting COVID. So it was crazy. I started my business and then we hit COVID. And then I was like, oh my gosh. So they were teaching us how to pivot. How do we pivot? How do we continue to grow a business at home? I was a teacher at the time. So we did Zoom. Like that's how we interacted with our students. So great idea. We're going to have Zoom parties. That's what you did. You'd reach out to people. We'd have different set times, at least for my team. That's what we did. Like during the week, we had set times where we talked about healthy living. We had set times where we talked about the business. Um, So there was really something scheduled every day during COVID because it was like, well, what else are you doing? I don't know, spending time with my kid or my husband, but. Wow. I could not imagine the pressure of someone in an MLM during COVID with that excuse. Like, well, what else are you going to do? Like, what else do you have to do? You're stuck at home. There's not, your job is closed. Your kids are home. What else are you going to do? Wow. Like, I, I mean, obviously like, I know that that was there, but like really hearing you say that and really thinking about that and being in that situation and being like, wow. Mm -hmm. I know. I, I mean, I, I mean, I remember thinking, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't really have anything else to do. So I'll just be on every one of these calls and inviting people. Um, so that's what I did. I mean, I had a, a very big friend group where I was from. So just asking that, I mean, the big thing in MLM is asking your friends to do you a favor by getting on these calls. Could you do, please do me a favor and just get on this call. You don't have to purchase anything, but I would just love to share my story with you is really what you do. So I didn't talk. I thought in my zoom party, Roberta, I was going to talk my upline, you know, vanished. So then her upline would run things. She'd hop on and she would talk the whole time. She would do the presentation And I actually, Roberta, I had 20 of my friends on this Zoom call that I, where I was going to share my story and I did not share any of my story, Roberta. It was 
my upline sharing her story, talking about the products and then closing because I wasn't experienced to close. So she closed, she got all their numbers, which was incredible. She's like in the chat, I need you to put your number so I can contact you and send you a prize for hopping on. Roberta, I have a lot of guilt for this is like wrapping so much of my family and friends into this. But at the time it was, oh my gosh, like we're helping you grow a business so you can pay back your parents or so you can have a better life for your family. And to me that made sense. But now, I mean, I, I feel so guilty because here I wrapped in all these people into what I was doing. I did within the next three months of doing COVID parties, I hit the second level by sharing my story, but not really because I didn't really get to share my story. So when you were doing these COVID parties, like, did you ever actually get to host them or were you always the secondary person that just sort of sat there and invited people? No, I was definitely the secondary person that invited people. I will say there was a couple of times that she missed um, because something came up. So then I actually got to lead my own calls, um, which was great because then, you know, my people got to hear my story. Other than that, she might hop on at the end and close because apparently I wasn't really good at that, which I'm open to feedback. I really am Roberta, just because I mean, I am in education. So you do get feedback like, Hey, you could have done this better. Totally fine. But to be told like, you're not good at this and not teach me how to do it. And instead stepping in was bonkers to me, but I was like, all right, well, it is what it is. Right. As if that's some sort of like inherently instinctive trait that she has, like she's just a born closer and like, you would never know how to do it. So let me just take that problem off your hands real quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so what were the virtual parties like? Like, what did you guys share? What, what, what happened? So usually at the beginning, in my experience, we would have somebody share like their story and why they started the business. So that's usually how it started out, why I started the business. We'd go into a slideshow that was all about the products. Now the slideshow had changed numerous times because I think it first started out as 30 slides and then they figured out, you know, people figured out like, Hey, I can leave when this slideshow is up and nobody's going to know. So (laughs) by the end of some of these parties, you would start out with 15 and you'd end up with three because, you know, it wasn't like where you had the sidebar of people yet. It was like, you saw yourself and that was it. So then you'd be like, oh, there's three people on. So um, they did narrow it down, I think, to maybe 10 slides. And usually there was a raffle then at the end, which Arbon did not support. It was the independent consultant that was raffling it off, but you had to stay the whole time to get it. Wow. So you said in three months of doing these, you hit the second level. Yes. The second level, which was, it's called area manager. So I got to that one very quickly just with online parties. So I I would say that the slide presentation was successful then. Um, yeah, yes, I think so. Um, it, I felt like it was that, and then I'd have conversations with people afterwards about like, you know, what is it like an experience? And I felt like at the time there were a lot of people that didn't have jobs. So they were just trying to find some sort of money. So I had girls joining my team right and left at the time because they weren't working. Again, I had that big adrenaline rush that I was doing so well, 
but you know, a lot of them ended up quitting once they, their jobs came back, which you're grateful they had their jobs back, but like sad that they quit your team at the same time. But I really feel like that was the big success during COVID is because people needed money. Wow. I didn't even think about that. When jobs opened back up, people left Arbonne and went back to their jobs. They're like, thanks for the opportunity and quit. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even, that wasn't even something that I've even thought about as a factor at all. That's really interesting. Yeah. And the people that did still have jobs were the ones that were buying because they still had money to buy, which was like, okay. Like I, I mean, I kept spending money on products because again, I was at home, wasn't really doing anything. So I online shopped a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's stuck at home. It's COVID everyone's shopping online. People are, you know, learning a new way of doing things for, I mean, roughly two years. Mm -hmm. I also know at this time that there were a lot of MLMs that were making claims, health claims specifically. Uh, And I know that Arbonne was one of those companies that was targeted and sent letters by the FTC. So let's talk about that. You were in Arbonne when those letters showed up? Yes. Yeah. I was in Arbonne when those showed up. I mean, it was it was like insanity in the world of Arbonne when the FTC sent out a letter because it was real weird because Arbonne sent us an email with the letter from the FTC. Again, I didn't really know what the FTC was. I told my husband and he was like, this is some serious stuff. Like that's kind of how like Advocare got shut down um, was the FTC. And so like, you know, my husband was like, this is some serious stuff. I was like, okay. But I remember we had an emergency call that night. The email went out. We had an emergency call that night and it was mandatory. You had to be on the Zoom call. This was like our big nation call, our really big one. So there's like 200, 300 people on there, which I guess we ended up finding out. I think that Zoom had a max for the number of people. So then we also had to schedule two separate calls. Like one had to be at this time. And then the other hundred of you, you're going to be at this time because we can't fit everybody into the Zoom call. Wow. Yes. Because I do, I remember, I remember that specifically like being maxed out and like people couldn't get in. It was like, I can't get in and it's mandatory. Like, and so they had two separate times for that. Something that stuck into my brain was really that we had to go through and clean out our social media. So any claim that you made in regards to weight had to come out. Any claim where you said toxic free or chemical free had to come out. Anything with COVID had to come out before and after pictures had to come out. I mean, any claim that you made on the product, if it was not on the product sheet, it had to come off. And they were actually deactivating um, consultants as they were doing this, because if you did not clean it up within a 48 hour period, they deactivated your account. So there were, I think... In my experience, there were at least three national vice presidents at that time that had gotten deactivated and they lost everybody because when you get deactivated, all of your people go away and it goes to the next level to you. So there were some girls that were really, really upset and that they, I mean, they left because they didn't think it was right. That they had to follow the law? (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah, I know. I was like, oh my gosh. I just was like, okay, well, I mean, you you didn't change things. And and I remember people had posted, and I wasn't one of these people, um, but they posted their paychecks 
and that's a big no-no. So if you posted your paycheck or any money claims, that also had to come off. And I remember some of the, um, you know, especially the really, really young girls that were in college were upset about it because that's how they were getting people to join their team was by showing them their paychecks online and on their TikToks. So And that's exactly why we fought so hard this past spring with the FTC to talk about these deceptive earnings claims. Women in Arbonne using deceptive earnings claims to exclusively recruit. They were. So there you go. I know. And I remember at the time we had like this um, daily methods of success, like the checklist that you would do every single day. And they had to change that because they couldn't call it daily methods to success because you can't promise people that they're going to succeed. So then I believe it got changed to the daily methods. I mean, there was a lot of change and I remember I panicked because I didn't want to get deactivated. So I was like looking through literally every single thing. And we had a product at the time called immunity booster that had to immediately get taken off the shelves because you cannot say anything that this is boosting your immunity. Um, because wow. I mean, it was, it was a vitamin, but I mean, that automatically came off the shelf very quickly. It was just, a, I mean, it was honestly, people probably bought it more because they were scared than because of what they, you know, because of the ingredients. So that was like, we got the message that night. And then I remember staying up until like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, taking everything down. Cause I literally like, that's all I posted was about the products before and after pictures. And I made claims. I know that I shouldn't have, I know that now, but it was my story that I was sharing, but I can't tell people about weight loss because I mean, you really don't know if it was true or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was your honest lived experience and story peppered in with illegal health claims. Right. Yes. Yes. So I was like, oh my, I felt terrible after that. I was like, oh, but I think the big thing was, you know, the conspiracy that the FTC was run by big pharma and big pharma is trying to shut all MLMs down. And I, again, I believed the conspiracy theory because I, that made sense. Like to me, that made sense. There was somebody bigger trying to take us down because they didn't like that we were trying to make people better. As yeah, well. that was going to be my next question is what was the attitude of the reps toward the FTC? And then also sort of like going forward with these new rules, um, yeah. which technically are not new rules. No. So Arbon just didn't tell you guys. You know, they go, well, it's in our policies and procedures. They should have read it, but yeah, you know what I mean? Yes. Oh yeah. So I feel like that was the big thing was the conspiracy theory running around that, you know, big pharma was trying to shut down Arbonne, but Arbonne has been a company for 40 plus years. And there's a reason they've been a company for 40 plus years is because they follow the rules. They do what's right and things like that. And I was like, oh, you're right. If they haven't been shut down after 40 years, like that makes sense. So obviously big pharma was out to get us. Um, uh, what about like the anti MLM community or former reps or any anti Arbon uh, propaganda that was swirling around at the time? Yeah. I remember being told, don't read that stuff. Um, they're being paid by people. 
um, like thousands and thousands of dollars to speak out against Arbonne. So people like you, Roberta, you're being paid a lot. And we weren't, I remember, I remember specifically when Lula Rich came out, we were told to not watch it. I mean, I had brought it up because I was like, oh my gosh, like, did you see that? I mean, I watch every documentary, you know, any documentary that comes out, I watch it. And so it was like, you were told not to watch it because all these people were being paid by, you know, whoever to speak out against MLMs and it's not true. So don't read it. And I remember, Roberta, I was actually um, a huge fan of Leah Remini too and her Scientology. And I saw an episode where some guy was talking about, you know, we weren't supposed to look on the internet. Like we didn't have access to the internet. He finally got access and thought he would find all these great things about Scientology and he didn't. He found out all these negative things that were happening and he read them. And I do remember watching the Lula Rich documentary and really relating to it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what happens at our conferences. And it was like this rude awakening for me, but I still don't want to believe it because I wanted to believe that you were getting paid by other people to speak out badly. <laughs> yeah. I'm still waiting on that big pharma check. I must've gotten lost in the mail. I did move. I should probably call them. You should. You definitely should. So another thing that I hear a lot about, and we did talk about this uh, before we hit record is this very like odd perception of Jesus within Arbon? And uh, it's not really Christianity so much as it's just like pro Jesus and this like very strange, like it's not, it's like the anti Jesus Jesus, you know, it's like very like pro America with like rippling pectorals. He's very tan, but he's a white guy. And like everybody sort of just, it's just this very strange thing. And for me, I'm like, but that's not Christianity. That's not, that's not the teachings of Jesus. It's just very, very opposite. And this faith-based manipulation is so deep in these companies. I hear it a lot with Arbon. So I wanted to talk to you about your experience. Um, you did tell me that you are someone who is faith-based and that you, you are a Christian. Um, and so your experience in being a Christian and your lived experience of being a quote unquote Christian in Arbonne and how that sort of differs and, and how that made you feel. Yeah. Um, I feel like in Arbonne, um, just with my experience that they kind of use my faith as a weapon against me. Um, I feel like you could look on my social media and realize that I'm a very faith-based person. Um, I felt like my purpose really for starting my Instagram was to speak to faith in a way, um, especially women suffering with infertility, like it's okay to be, you know, it's okay to be angry at God, but like, no, like he's always going to be there for you. And so I feel like you could probably read that on my social media. And so I felt like they would try to use my faith against me in some way, especially when I wasn't succeeding in Arbon. you know, like you hit these high highs, like you're doing really well and everything comes to a plateau or a decline. And after COVID and right before we ended up moving, I saw a really sharp decline in my business. And I remember telling my upline, like, I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. And they're like, well, are you praying about it? And I was like, well, yeah, like I, I have been praying about it. And it was like, well, are you asking God to introduce you to new people? And at the time to me, I'm like, 
well, no. And also like, why do you have to know what I'm praying? Um, I think that's a big thing that hit me is because in all of my years of being a Christian, I've never had a pastor or a preacher say, this is the way you need to pray. If you want to get something from God, I was like, okay. So I then remember, and I feel terrible about this now. Like I would pray at night that God introduced me to people to help me succeed and to help me grow my business. And I'll be honest, I met people but I didn't meet people to grow my business. I met people that had the same struggles that I did and I connected with them on that, but my upline wasn't happy that I was meeting new people, but not talking to them about the business. How interesting mm-hmm. that she's like, you're just, you're doing it wrong. Yes. You're doing it wrong. Like this is very easy. And if you worked hard enough and did everything right, you wouldn't have a problem. So obviously you're not working hard enough and you're doing something wrong. How are you praying? What are you asking for? Are you specifically saying, dear Jesus, please send me new people to recruit into my pyramid scheme? Because if you're not, that's probably why you're not getting new people. Like that is so unbelievably manipulative to not only have their intrusive thoughts in your daily life all the time, right? And in your head all the time and in your in in your inbox and on your Zooms, but now they're asking you to repeat their intrusive bullshit in your prayers as well. So now they are in your conversation with God, your own personal private conversation. They are in it and they are manipulating you. And if it doesn't work out, then you must have done something wrong. That's on you. Yes. That is so disgusting. That is just, I mean, that is probably one of the most disgusting pieces of faith manipulation that I have ever heard from someone that had been in an MLM. That is just like mind blowing to me. I know. I think that that, um, it didn't hit me until later that that was manipulative, but also telling you that you're not successful in your business because you don't have enough faith in yourself and you don't believe in yourself enough. I mean, growing up, my parents instilled faith in me. They instilled belief, but you're told so many times over and over again, you're not faithful enough. You don't believe enough. And I remember I just, I was like, well, maybe you're right. Like this has gone downhill because I'm not, I don't have enough faith or I'm not believing. But after talking to so many of my friends who I go to church with, they're like, no, like, that's not right. Like you can have all the faith in yourself that you want, but there's sometimes it just doesn't happen. It's like, okay, like, yeah. Well, I mean, even to use your faith as the reason why you're not successful when statistically not even 1% of people in this are successful. Like it's wild. It's, it's just, it's so gross. Like I can't think of any other word other than just gross. And I feel, and I feel terrible because sometimes people have a negative view of Christianity. And I really feel like that's why, like, there are a lot of good people out there who will not judge you, who won't tell you how to pray, but because there's these few people that do, I mean, it totally ruins Christianity for a lot of people. And I guess like I thought Arbon was super faith-based, but when it got used against me, I was like, well, this isn't how faith and God really works. They don't use things against you to hurt you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So throughout this journey, the whole reason that you joined was to pay off the debt of the IVF and to continue with your IVF journey and hopefully be able to go on from there. So if you are comfortable, um, could you talk us through sort of the next steps of what happened? Yeah. So I actually had become so successful in the company. I had a team. Um, I was working full time. So really Arbon was my side business. And we actually had gotten enough money to do IVF again. And I was so excited and relieved because again, we weren't going to have to worry this time about asking for a loan. And so right before we ended up moving, I found out my husband was offered a job somewhere else. And I told him that I wanted to stay where we were at. I was comfortable with this IVF doctor. And after we were all done, then I would move to where he was at. So my husband had actually moved. So I had gone to this doctor's appointment by myself and they check your different levels and then they check your uterus and make sure everything's fine. So my uterus was fine, um, but we found out that uh, my ovarian function was basically non-existent. So my body didn't produce eggs anymore. And I was a young mom whose body was going through menopause um, is what ended up happening. And so we actually found out that IVF wasn't going to work for us anymore. And I remember coming home and just crying because, I mean, I love my siblings so much. We're close. We talk every day, even though we're thousands of miles apart. And I wanted that for my son because I can't imagine life without siblings. Um, but to find out like you can't give that was really, really hard. And I called my husband afterwards and he was like, you know, we're going to get through this. Let today suck. I was like, okay, I'm going to let today suck. And I told my mom and my dad and my close friends who I thought were my Arbon friends. I remember specifically my upline saying like, well, things could be worse. I mean, you have one child, right? Like you should be grateful that you have one child or if that doesn't work, if you really want siblings, you can adopt. I get the whole bright side, like, yeah, you're in a dark area, but here's the bright side. But I felt like nobody even heard me because then everybody else was like, oh yeah, no worries. You can adopt. Like you have enough of money to do all that. And I just, I wasn't in the space to hear that at the time. So I did, I kind of took a step back from Arbon just so I could heal because I knew I didn't need that right at that time. I get it. I do. It's, it's toxic positivity, especially in this moment. And I get it. I understand. And people that are in an MLM are already so dunked and coded and rolled in the sprinkles of toxic positivity that they're never going to see that them saying, well, at least you have one isn't like a comforting thing for somebody, but 
sometimes when we go through hard things, sometimes we just want to sit in the hard stuff and we just want you to sit there with us and hold our hands and say, this sucks. And you're like, thanks for being here and saying it sucks. You know what? That toxic positivity, it's, it's great later. We're not always ready to hear your hallmark greetings. Sorry, Michelle, your hallmark greetings in, in, uh, in the moment. Sometimes we just need to just let it fester a little because we're not always going to be there. We don't always stay there, but you you know, like sometimes you just need a friend to say, I get it. And I'm sorry. Instead of, well, you could always adopt. It's not that big of a deal. You have so much money. You're on the second highest rank. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so jealous of your success. I don't know what you're complaining about. Yes. You know? And you're like, okay, well, thank you for your kind words. I know. So I mean, or even got turned into, well, at least nobody in your family died. And it was like, okay, that somebody dying in infertility are very, they're very two different things. I feel like it's comparing, you know, apples to oranges. It's, I, I mean, I remember when that happened and I remember my mom actually being in the other room and had overheard what was happening. And she was just like, did I really hear that? And I was like, Yes. Like, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh. So it is, I mean, I did let myself, I kind of separated myself a little bit until I was ready to kind of go back and start working again. I just, oh man, you would, you would hope that in that moment, the people that say they care about you, that tell you you're amazing and that you're part of their family and all of these things would be supportive in these moments and not like, Oh my God, that totally sucks. So are you still doing that virtual party on Friday? Like yes, you still have, yes. you still have bonuses and, and quotas to hit though. Don't, <laughs> don't take too much of a break. You know what I mean? Yes. I remember because close week was in two days. So it was like, Hey, like close day though, you better be there. And it was like, I, I do remember because it was towards the end of the month when I found that out, but it was like, okay, but are you going to be there for closing? I was like, um, well, we'll see how I'm feeling on close wow. day. I'll let like, you know. Um, Brandy, you picked a really bad time of the month to like have <laughs> problems with your life. You're oh, just yeah. like, thank you so yeah, thank much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I know it is inconvenient for you, but it is very devastating to me. So yeah, I do. I remember that. It was like, okay, well, close day is a couple days away. I was like, oh, okay. But even to be able to look back on this and to see the ridiculousness and even find a little bit of humor in this is very healing for you to be like, I wasn't wrong about the way I felt about all of this. This was very strange. So what was this breaking point? Like the full breaking point where you were like, Arvon, we are, we're, we're done. I'm done doing this. Yeah. So there were a couple things that kind of led me to the breaking point one being a series of unfortunate events that kept happening. Um, I had to have surgery. Uh, my grandma almost passed away and me sharing that with my friends and them being like, okay, well, nobody died. You're okay. Like, let's continue to work. Um, that was one thing that kind of, I hit a breaking point with that. And I had also gone on this retreat that I earned I went there and it was color coordinated, Roberta. So you did you, in our, my experience, you like, you got an invite and we all had to color coordinate. There was like colors and stuff you had to wear on certain days of the retreat. 
and I had none of those colors. Like, I will be honest, I have a lot of black in my closet. What were the colors you had to wear? Um, it was mint green. There was coral, peach, and like an off-white color. So, and yellow. And there was like a yellow in there. I don't remember the specific, but there was just like all these you know, what colors that somebody would probably not have in their closet if they're not a super colorful person. Black was my closet. So I bought all these new clothes to go on this retreat. I bought a plane ticket and I went there and it was a whole weekend. And I remember going in there and I just, it, it just felt off. Like if you ever go in somewhere and you're just like, something doesn't feel right about this, but you can't put a pin on it. And I remember what was it? It was three days and you were mostly in training sessions for eight hours. So I thought this was like a, like a retreat. So like the word treat is in retreat. So like, you know, like you're going to have time to relax. Like I'm a mom. I want to sleep. Um, I wanted time to myself. I got none of that. I was in eight hours every day in training sessions. Um, literally you would get the lunch and then you would go back to the training session. So you're just in this big area. I remember they had all these different trainings and one that just really bugged me was talking about how to level up. And sometimes like you need to ignore your kids. Like you just, either get help or, you know, if you can't afford help, then they're going to be okay. in their diapers and just eating snacks, like they'll live, you're there. They don't need your full attention all the time, but you need to do what you got to do to level up. And I felt like that hit me because my son had already had so many delays that I was like, I can't afford a babysitter. Number one. I mean, I did every once in a while, but Roberta, I don't know if you know, but babysitters are like 20 bucks an hour now. Um, or more. I just remember thinking like, I, I can't do that. And if that's what it takes to level up, like, I, I don't think this is for me anymore. So I think that was kind of my breaking point with Arbon for sure. They just seem like very intrusive Arbon. Yes. And I don't know if it's like more so than other MLMs, but the stories I hear from people that were in Arbon, like they're just like in every facet. I mean, you're saying they're in your prayers. Yes. They're in every facet of your life. It is just, it's very culty mm-hmm. and very obsessive. And it makes me very worried because every single story that I hear, even from people who are like, I'm not ready to come on the show, but I have an Arbon story. It's always the same. It's like very culty, very controlling it's all your fault. You're not good enough. You don't belong here. You should have worked harder. Like it's very much like you're always constantly trying to impress and improve uh, and be better for this company that doesn't really give a shit about you anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So you leave Arbonne and then what happens? Well, okay. So leaving Arbon, Roberta was much harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, let's talk about this. Yeah. Sorry. So I, I thought leaving would be easy because I had seen lots of other girls leave and that was it. Like they just didn't show up on a zoom call. So I was like, wonderful. So like girls on my team that left, like I respected that because, you know, it's really not for everybody. And some of them returned to their jobs and they're like, Hey, I'm so busy. Like, I just can't do it. Okay, good. And I've stayed friends with a lot of them. 
but when I decided to leave, it wasn't so easy. Um, I feel like mostly because I was higher up in the company and they really needed me. I'll be honest, my uplines, they needed me so they could get a bigger paycheck. Um, as much as they say, this is not a pyramid scheme that when they level up, Arbon actually just pays them more. Um, you make nothing off of me. I mean, there's a reason you're getting paid more, but we'll just, I'll leave that there. I received a lot of backlash for leaving. I got texts, I got phone calls, and I remember the one phone call from our um, national vice president at the time. And it was, I'll be honest, Roberta, it was maybe over an hour phone call that I just should have hung up on in the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, I said why I was leaving, that it just wasn't for me anymore. And then it turned into, well, you're not believing in yourself enough. Well, well no, I am. I am believing in myself enough. Um, I just don't think this is for me anymore. And then it turned into, well, what if your husband leaves you? Um, then what are you going to do? Because you're not making money because you're a stay-at-home mom. Like the jump to worst case scenario yes, immediately. Right. right. Which, you know, I mean, my husband and I have been together for 15 years. So I felt like that was kind of a stretch. And I was like, well, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be okay. Like whatever. And then it turned into, well, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I remember at that time, I was kind of gearing into some other things. Being a virtual assistant um, is one of the things that I do. Um, I also help people with social media because I figured out that I'm really talented at that. And not everybody's great at social media. I just thought everybody was, um, but they're not. So I was going to help people with that. So I did. I told her what I was going to do. And um, she was like, oh well, the only reason that you're good at social media is because of Arbonne in the first place. Um, and so if you decide you're not doing Arbonne, you're not credible to your followers anymore. And basically the only reason I was good at social media was because I was pretty. Um, and if I wasn't pretty, my pictures wouldn't turn out as good as they were. And I love how we could just make up reasons. Yes. No basis whatsoever. Yes. yes. I, I then remember my husband was looking at me and he, he was doing this, like, hang up the phone, Brandy. It's time to hang, hang it up. And I was like, okay. Like, and I was just like, you know, I don't think we're going to agree. You know, I, and I said, I just, I need to be done. And she was like, okay. So then that was it. That was the end of the phone call. And then I started getting texts from some other girls in, on our team. Like, are you happier without us now? We just heard what happened. And I didn't know how to respond because I did. I thought they were my friends. They were my friends for three plus years. It, it was sad that I found out that they weren't my friends, but I think sometimes you come to that realization. And I did find out from some of the girls that were still in the business, they shared my story. Um, they didn't always name me, but I think everybody knew who it was. It was the girl that was like super successful, but then the girl turned into the girl that gave up all of her dreams because she didn't believe in herself. So I was oh like, my oh. God. Yeah. so I remember I was like, I thought I was done, but then they were using my story as an example of what not to be. There was that. the now cautionary I tale of the Arbon <laughs> Hun who flew too close to the sun. Yes. And gave up on her dreams. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, that was me. I remember I was like so hurt then, but now that I think about it, I'm like, I don't really care what you think or what you say if I'm the cautionary tale, because at the end of the day, you're still talking about me. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, it's just, it's so textbook, but like at the same time, like wildly almost unbelievable because it's just like how many horrible things can happen consecutively in a row where you're just like, I'm not the problem. Like it's obviously you guys. Right. But now that I've left, um, I am a lot happier. I will say my husband noticed a huge shift. My parents noticed a huge shift. I was present at things. Um, I wasn't on nightly calls anymore. Um, I got to tuck my kid in at bed at night, which was like what I wanted to do anyway. Um, and now I am, I'm going to be honest, Roberta, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do because I was like, I don't want to go back to what I used to do, um, which was teaching. So now I am kind of at the space where I'm like, okay, well, what's next? So yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, it's a good place to be, right? You're no longer in a cult. You don't have anybody controlling you. You Mm -hmm. sort of are like, I could go this way. I could zig, I could zag. You're good at social media. The world is your oyster. Yeah. You don't need the cult. You don't no. need the fake friends. You don't, you know, need these people to be telling stories about you and talking about you, even though you don't really think about them at all, but they, they just can't let it go. Very, very um, eye-opening behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I am just, this was such an interesting story. So my other question is how long did it take you to go back to target and then replace all of the Arbonne products with all the chemical filled products back Uh, into your house? Yeah. I, I think what was it the week after I had those conversations, I went through all of my stuff and I threw all of my Arbonne stuff away. I threw away the hats. I threw away the bags. Um, I threw away the binders from like the mindset Mondays and the, the team calls. And I think I threw away every network marketing book that I had. I probably should have sold them now that I think about it, but I threw them away because I was so angry. Yeah. So I went through, I threw everything away and I will say, Roberta, now I am buying things from Ulta and, you know, makeup and the things that I like, I went back to buying things that I love and use and that's have sense to them again. Um, I think that was what I missed the most because I feel like Arbonne is very anti-scent, like don't use scents because you don't know what's in them. Um, I like candles quite a bit now. Um, I think that was a big thing too. I stopped eating certain foods. I got so skinny to the point where, you know, it was probably disgusting, Um, And now I'm eating foods. I'm eating chocolate. Um, I drink diet Coke again because I noticed that that's okay in moderation. Um, I do have deep fried foods now every once in a while because that's okay. So yeah, Um, I feel like, uh, you know, over a year later, my life has gone back to normal-ish. So yeah. Normal-ish is a great place to be. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, before we get to rapid fire, is there anything else that you want to share? No, um, I really just want um, to thank you, Roberta. Um, I, I'm going to cry a little bit. I was reading this book yesterday and it hit me like there was a phrase in the book. It said, you can either wear a badge of hurt or a badge of hope and courage every day. 
Um, and I wore a badge of hurt for a really long time. And your badge of hope and Leah Remini and Mike Rinder, like you guys have completely changed you know, the thought that, you know, MLMs and Scientology are everything to, hey, like it's time to speak out against them. Um, so I do appreciate everything you're doing because you have, you've worn a badge of honor and courage. And if you wouldn't have stepped up, I don't know who would have, but um, I'm so glad that you did that. And you changed my life four months ago when your podcast showed up in my suggested feeds. Um, when I really needed it the most. So um, I just really wanted to thank you for giving me time on here and um, helping me out because it's been life-changing for sure. Absolutely. That makes me feel so good. Um, you're absolutely welcome. And thank you for coming on here and, and being vulnerable and sharing your story. And I'm so glad that for once in my life, the algorithm is working in my favor. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was just like when I, all of a sudden it was just like, Hey, like here it is. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I pulled it up and I listened to it and I was like, Oh my goodness. And I was like, yep, yep. This is what happened to me. And I did, it did. It made me feel a lot better. So you listen to that first episode and you're like, uh Oh, (laughs) no, no, I loved it. I was sucked in right away. I mean, I'm sure you're hard on yourself because you're like, Oh, that was my first episode. Um, but I have listened to every single one of them in the last four months. So clearly well, right? I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. It, it is a labor of love, this show, and I'm constantly trying to just be better every day, better than I, than who I was the day before and learning new tricks and trying new softwares. And I really do think that this show is a pretty good like map of my progress as not only like a producer, but also as a host. (laughs) So you're, you're killing it. So just keep it up. Well, thank you. All right. Let's get to some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Brandy. What is one word that encompasses how you feel about MLMs? Um, Manipulative. Give me a warning to somebody who is wanting to join an MLM and is maybe on the fence. Um, I would say, um, make sure to, as you are talking to whoever about it, um, be careful about what you open up to them and what you put on your social media, because a, they stalked your social media already and B, they're going to use anything you say against you at some point. So that would be my big warning. That is a very good, that might be the first time someone's had that be a warning. That's a really good warning. Yes. Don't, because I mean, they do, everything gets used against you or anything you post will be used to talk to you at some point. What is the worst MLM in your opinion? Um, I would say probably Amway because I feel like that really started everything. I mean that, I mean, I remember, I remember in fifth grade hearing about Amway I didn't know what it was. Um, we got invited to a party then, but I feel like that was like the big caboose that started the whole thing. So what is the hardest lesson that you learned in MLM? Um, I think the hardest lesson that I learned was that sometimes people that say your friends aren't really your friends, um, especially in network marketing. Um, as much as you want to believe that it's a true friendship, it's really not. If they're not getting something from you, then they're going to drop you as soon as you're done. Absolutely. That was my experience too. And a positive takeaway from your time in MLM. 
I think uh, there was a, okay, two positive things. One being that I felt like I found out what it's, it's really important to stand up for what you won't believe in. Um, it's important for people to know where you stand, but also where you won't, you know, let them stand. And the second one, I found out what I'm really good at, which is social media. I mean, they make you post on social media. I think that's it. But I found out that I'm really good at social media. And I think that's definitely helped me get um, a few jobs, especially being in a new place because, you know, not having any credibility with anybody, at least they can go to my social media and say like, Hey, like you're bomb, you kill it. Like, will you work for me? Sure. So I found out that I was really good at that. Thank you so much, Brandy, for talking to us about Arbon, for confirming and corroborating past guest stories and experiences in Arbon as well, and for being so vulnerable about your IVF journey and your entire MLM journey as well. I, I thank you so, so, so much. Yeah, no, thank you. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Thank you.